you were the most important thing in the world to them. That's really hard to comprehend. They were going to take a bullet for you. Mm -hmm. And they're so kind, and they're so gentle, and they are trying to assist me to get to the helicopter. But I think I've been out here for months. I can run to this helicopter myself, and so I just break away, and I just take off running through the scrub, through the bush, and I throw myself onto that helicopter and push myself up against the wall. And I don't start breathing until we actually lift up off the ground. And they hand me an American flag that's folded. What did you think of that? I just started to cry. At that point in time, I have never in my life been so proud and so very happy to be an American. The SEALs left on other helicopters. She didn't see their faces, didn't hear their names. They appeared, and they were gone. you thankful for the men and women who have served this country and provided for us the freedom that we enjoy this morning to gather and worship. As a matter of fact, we want to take just a moment. If you're here today and you're a veteran, you've served our country in the armed forces, would you mind just standing so that we can recognize you and show our thanks to you this morning? may be seated. You know, we are in a season of thankfulness, right? I mean, that's when November comes and the holidays start. That's kind of the thing that begins to, to become obvious. Uh, we are in a season of thankfulness, and in about two weeks, that's going to reach the high point, isn't it? What are you guys going to be doing in about two weeks from now, okay? I mean, I can see you going through the list right now. Do I have my pumpkin? Do I have the, the, the thing? Uh, we're going to be sitting around a table most likely with those that we love the most and we are going to be enjoying a fine meal then we're going to be watching some pro football and we're going to be taking some tryptophan induced naps right and maybe at some point during the day maybe it says you're sitting around the table i wonder if your family does this somebody will say why don't we go around and let's just say one thing that we're very thankful for this year is that kind of what your uh, your thanksgiving may look like I, I think it does for a lot of us you know but there's something else that's a flip side of this season of thankfulness you know it's interesting how when the holidays come about like this that we are thankful and we do celebrate and we gather together but isn't it isn't it also a time when we see pain begin to work its way to the surface of our lives? Isn't it a time where we just seem to feel very deeply? You know, whenever the holidays start, your pastors and your elders, we actually are aware that we need to be praying for our people. Praying that we would see what others don't see. Praying that we would step in and be able to minister when there is pain and when there's hurting, even in the midst of a time of thankfulness, we want you to be aware of that too. We want, to, we want you to be able to see what God sees so that you can be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. But the thing that's, uh, that I want us to see today as we look into God's Word is really a reflection of what you heard Michael say last week. You know, Michael brought up uh, 
the words of Jesus last week. John chapter 16, verse 33. Do you remember this? In this world you will have what? You will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. You know, pain and thankfulness can go hand in hand, can't they? Pain and thankfulness can go hand in hand. And God is clear about that in his word. But you know that in, in that passage, John 16, that that's not all that Jesus said. You know, he said some other words. He added something else to that. He said, not only in this world will you have trouble, but what? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And what we want to be able to do in pain, even during a time of thankfulness, is to be able to see God and be who he has created us to be. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today in Luke. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and take your Bibles out. We're turning to Luke chapter 22. We're going to focus today on verses 14 through 20. Luke 22, verses 14 through 20. But go ahead and take your Bibles out. If you don't have one, there should be one provided for you right there underneath that chair in front of you. And again, Luke chapter 22. Now, let me introduce myself while you're turning there. My name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors here at New Work Fellowship. So glad that you've decided to join us in worship today. Let me encourage everyone to fill out that digital connect card that you have access to through that listening guide that you got when you came in. Or if you're looking at that digital listening guide, just go to the top of that, click on that link, and fill that digital connect card out. Also, uh, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today. So if you missed the basket when you came in this morning and you didn't get, uh, get the elements and you want to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning, let me encourage you, go ahead, it's not going to bother me. You can go ahead and uh, get up and go back. There's these gray baskets right in the back. Go grab those elements because you're going to need those here in just a little while in the service, okay? So Luke chapter 22, what we're looking at today, I actually want us to back up to the very beginning and let's look at verses 1 through 6 to understand the context of what is going to be happening in Luke chapter 20 verses 4, 22 verses 14 through 20. Let's start reading in Luke 22 verse 1. The festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Do you see what's going on? Do you know what's happening in the life of Jesus at this point right here. The festival of unleavened bread. This is the, the first day of uh, this festival of unleavened bread that leads into the festival of Passover. This is the week where Jesus is going to be crucified. This is the week where that day, that uh, week before on the festival of unleavened bread, Jesus went into the temple and he cleared the temple of the money changers. But look at what else is happening during that week. Verse 3. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted. And they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. Before Jesus is arrested and goes to the cross, you can see right here in the beginning of Luke chapter 22, 
that Jesus is about to walk through an immense amount of pain. And the pain has already started because he's been betrayed. And it's not just a betrayal by someone that is an acquaintance. He's been betrayed by someone who is close to him. Can you imagine that kind of pain? Look, we walk through a lot of different kinds of pain in this world, don't we? I mean, we, we walk through physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, spiritual pain. And I believe that right here, you see that Jesus is about to walk through every one of those types of pain in a way that is hard to imagine. And it begins with the pain of betrayal by someone who is very close to him, that's followed him for the last three years, that's eaten almost every meal with him, that's seen all of the miracles that God has done, that has learned and heard all of the words that Jesus has taught. He is betrayed by Judas. Look, I want you to understand that no matter where you are and what you're dealing with and what you're going through today, which I guarantee you, there's a lot of us that have walked into this place today that are experiencing a type of pain right here and right now that is not easy. But I want you to understand that we follow a Savior that knows he knows every kind of pain that we ever will and ever have walked through. And when you think about how the rest of this week unfolds in the life of Jesus, what is it that you see in Scripture? That he's arrested, falsely accused, illegally tried, beaten, put on a cross. And when you picture Jesus hanging on the cross experiencing not only the physical pain that he's experiencing but the emotional, the mental and the spiritual pain of having all of our sins laid on him in that moment are there any words that come to your mind? There's one word that comes to my mind there's one word why? why? Why, why did that have to happen? Why did Jesus willingly go to the cross? Why did the Heavenly Father willingly give His Son to die on the cross? Why did the people not see who He was? Why is this happening? And we experience that in pain, don't we? But it doesn't stop there. There's another side to the story. Because yes, Jesus died on a cross and was buried in a grave, but on the third day, what happened? He was raised to life by the power of God, the power of the resurrection. And because of that, when you ask that question why, you can also have another picture in your mind. I want you to think of that moment. That moment, we'll say it like this, when you slip the surly bonds of this life, so to speak, right? When you pass away and you step into heaven and you are face to face with Jesus himself, what are the two words you think that are going to come out of your mouth? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for taking on my sin. Thank you for experiencing all of the pain that you did so that we can be close, so that we can be together, so that we can be in eternity with our Heavenly Father. You see, there's hope even when there is pain. So we need to ask ourselves, what do we do with the pain in our lives? 
And there's a key truth that I want us to understand this morning. The key truth is this, is that there is a biblical purpose to pain. The biblical purpose of pain is to point us to the healer. Don't you wish that we just never experienced pain? Don't you wish there was like a button that we could push or something that we could do that would just remove all of the pain that we would ever experience in our life? But listen, be careful what you wish for because there is a biblical purpose to pain. Now, I know that we experience pain a lot of times because of sin, either because of somebody sinning against us or because of us doing something ourselves that causes pain in our lives, right? But God has wired us for the purpose of feeling pain for one reason, so that we can know that we need a healer. We never experienced any type of pain in this life. We would never know that we had a need. You know, I have a, an elementary friend, a, a friend of mine from elementary school, we'll, we'll, we'll say it that way, that, uh, that posted this on my Facebook wall this last week. He put this picture up. Now, I'm a child of the 80s. Can you identify with this? Anybody ever? Okay, who was the one on the bike, right? Okay, who was the one that built the ramp for the guy on the bike? Who was the one that stood on the, in the crowd going, watch this? Who was the one that laughed when they crashed and then ran home, right? I mean, we did some crazy things as kids. You know, I got off the school bus one day when I was in elementary school, probably fifth grade, maybe I was in sixth grade. I, I don't really remember. It was somewhere along there. And uh, my friends said this to me. Uh, there was a group of them that kind of, we kind of got together and they said, hey, Corey, we found a yellow jacket's nest back in the woods and we've been throwing rocks at it. You want to go with us? And what did I say? Yeah, I want to go throw rocks at a yellow jacket's nest. And this was not a small yellow jacket's nest. Now, if you're familiar with yellow jacket's nest, don't picture the big hornet's nest up in the tree. This is a hole in the ground where yellow jackets have built a nest underground. And so we got on our bikes and we rode back through the neighborhood and we went to this wooded lot and we walked back into the woods. And sure enough, back there you could see these yellow, it must have been a huge nest because there were all these yellow jackets that were just kind of boiling out of this hole, you know? And what did we do? And we started throwing rocks at them. It was war. It was on. And they started picking us off one by one. Right? I got stung in the arm. Jamie, Jamie, he was my next door neighbor, who, by the way, was allergic to bees, got stung right in the forehead. He came out to the bus stop the next day. His forehead was out here. He's like, hey, guys, you know? And so, but Stevie, Stevie was the one that got the worst. We were all laughing, we are all having a great time throwing rocks at the yellow jackets, and this yellow jacket makes a beeline, now I know what a beeline is, makes a beeline straight for Stevie and gets lodged in his ear in the upper part and stuck there, and it's just stinging him and stinging him and stinging him. Stevie immediately went into crisis mode, okay? I mean, he's screaming his head off, ah! And so what does he do? Immediately when he starts to feel the pain, he jumps on his bike, and he takes off, because we weren't helping him. And we're just like, ha, what is going on? He jumps on his bike, and he's taken off through the neighborhood, screaming at the top of his lungs. We all get on our bikes, and we follow him. We're just trying to keep up with him, which is hard to do, because, man, the adrenaline was pumping with Stevie. His mom was out in the front yard raking leaves when she hears this screaming coming from a distance. Mom! And Stevie... <laughs> pulls up in the front yard and literally just tumbles to a stop. He goes head over heels. He, I don't know how he did it even, and, and just 
crashes right there in front of his mom and she's holding the rake like and he's like of course she takes care of him right now when stevie felt that pain immediately he realized what i need somebody and he made as quick of a line as he could make straight to his mom he wasn't going to rely on us he wasn't stopping and knocking on doors he went to his mom he knew that was the one that was going to help him be healed look when you experience pain in your life understand that god gave us the ability to feel pain so that we could know that he is ultimately our healer and when we walk through pain in this life he wants us to understand that he knows that pain experienced that pain himself and wants us to make and wants to make us more christ-like in the middle of it let's look at how what jesus does let's look at what jesus does in the midst of the pain that he is experiencing as he knows he is going to go to the cross. Look at Luke chapter 22. Let's read through verses 14 through 20. And then I want us to see four things. Four things that you can be more Christ-like when you allow pain to do these four things in your life. Let's begin in Luke 22 verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and what? And gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and he did what? And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Let's walk through this passage and let's look at what Jesus does, the actions that come out of Jesus' life when he knows that he is about to experience and he is experiencing pain. The first thing is this. You can be more Christ-like when you allow pain to help you see what matters most. You can be more Christ-like when you allow pain to help you see what matters most. Look at what he does in verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. What is the first thing that you see Jesus doing when he is going through this pain in his life? What would you do if you were Jesus? What would be the temptation? I think a lot of times the temptation for us when we're experiencing a great deal of pain is to withdraw, is to... Uh, to rely on ourselves to try to figure out how do we get rid of this and what is it that Jesus does he gathers all of those that are close to him around the table and invites them to the table and he sits down with them what a great action that you see in the life of Jesus that in the midst of that pain he still saw what was most important 
I was introduced um, to a family through a news article. This is a Pelletier family, and a mom and a dad and four kids. So they had their first child, their oldest daughter, and they noticed when she was old enough to walk and she could walk well around uh, three or four years of age that when it would get dark in the evening that she would bump into things in the house that she normally should be able to see. And so they took her to the doctor, uh, went through a lot of different kind of tests, and eventually what they discovered was that their oldest daughter had a genetic disorder in which the retinas in her eyes over time will deteriorate. And the doctor said, there's really nothing we can do about this. There's no cure for this. As your daughter gets older, she's going to go blind. Can you imagine hearing that about your three-year-old daughter? But they didn't just hear that about her. Three of their four kids have the same disorder. How much pain do you think that brought about for that for that mom and that dad to hear your children eventually are not going to be able to see and they're going to go blind now the fourth the youngest hasn't at the time that i read this article anyway hadn't experienced any of the symptoms that the other three had so the mom and dad i mean of course this is going to rock their world and so what they did was they they went to a counselor just to be able to figure out how do we how do we handle this how do we process this how do we get through this the counselor suggested this. I, I suggest that you get books and images and pictures and try to create a visual experience. Try to create a visual um, world for your children so that when they can't see that they'll have these visual memories. Mom, dad thought about it and then they said this, we'll do better than that. They rearranged their entire lives around helping their kids to build not just an image but an experience of things all over the world they just sat down and they said what do you guys want to do and they created these bucket lists and this is kind of what some of these things looked like okay so this is uh, mia she wanted uh, to ride horses in mongolia they're riding horses in mongolia and the next thing uh, is this they're uh, one of their youngest kids said i want to drink juice on a camel <laughs> so they hauled these juice boxes all the way around the world and they said no problem we're doing it some of them you know in turkey they went to turkey and they they saw these balloons at night being lit up they wanted to not just see a picture of an elephant they took them to a place where an elephant actually was so that they could not just see it but smell it and hear it and there's all kinds of things that this family did when they knew that they were going to be experiencing this pain and they couldn't do anything about it it helped them to see what was most important it helped them to see very clearly listen you can become more like christ when you allow pain to help you see what matters most what matters most in your life i guarantee you it's those that you're closest to I guarantee you it's this next thing. I hope it's this next thing uh, that we see here. Not only can you be more, like Christ, uh, more Christ-like when you allow pain to help you see what matters, but you can also be more Christ-like when you allow pain to draw you close to the Lord. When you allow pain to draw you close 
to the Lord. Look at verses 15 and 16. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Do you see what's going on inside of Jesus? You know he's feeling it. But yet at the same time, he's eager to eat this Passover meal with them. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in what? In the kingdom of God. Jesus is still focused on what his heavenly Father wants him to do. He is still focused on the kingdom. And even though he's experiencing pain, he is drawing close to the Lord by being obedient to God's will in his life. Look, when you're experiencing pain, the words of Jesus are very important to remember, very important to hide into your heart. Do you remember the re religious leader, the teacher of religious law that came to Jesus trying to trap him, and he asked the question, what is the most important commandment in all of Scripture? Remember what Jesus' answer was? To love the Lord your God with what? With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And you can see that Jesus, right here in the middle of a great amount of pain, is still focused on loving God and drawing close to God. Aren't you glad that you, as a believer, know that in the middle of the pain that you are experiencing, that God is present? that you don't have to search far and wide, that he is right there and he is close by and he wants you to draw close to him. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And trust in him. Draw close to him. And when you draw close to him, look, you talk to him. You just let it pour out. This is not a time for one of these uh, big religious King James sounding formulaic prayers, okay? This is a time where you just need to let it out. And you talk to God just like you would want one of your kids to talk to you if they were hurting. It doesn't even have to make a lot of sense. Let, I mean, ask the questions, pour out the pain, cry out to God, but then know that he is there wrapping his arms around you. He loves you, he cares about you, and he's with you in it. Draw close to God. And there's a third thing that I would want you to see. You can be Christ-like when you allow pain to draw you close to others. Don't just draw close to God but draw close to those that he has placed in your life that you can trust, that you can be vulnerable with, that can be a help for you. What is verse, let's look at verse 17 and 18. Then he took the cup of wine and he did what? And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. What is it that Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and your strength. Draw close to God. And then he added one more sentence. And love your neighbor as yourself. Draw close to others. And look, I know what the temptation is, right? I mean, there's some of us, we are, we are kind of wired in a way that when we hurt, we have no problem talking to people around us about it, like uh, being vulnerable with people that we trust. Look, I'm not talking about posting on social media, right? I mean, that's a given. 
But I'm talking about going to someone that we love and we trust and saying, look, man, I'm really hurting right now. Some of us, we just do that naturally. But I know, also know that others of us, there's a temptation when we're going through pain. And the temptation is this. We know that there's someone there. We know that there's someone close. We know there's someone that would love us and care for us and pray for us and walk with us through it. But we're tempted when we, to say this. I just don't want to burden them with it. We feel like we need to protect them. I want to protect them from this pain. I want to protect them from having to walk through this. I don't want to put my stuff on them. And I get that. That comes from a good place, right? It comes from a good heart. It comes from a place where we're basically saying, I can handle this. I'll get through it. But think about what that feels like if somebody's doing that to you. Somebody that you love. Somebody that you care about. Somebody that you want to help in your life. Here's how, that, here's how that translates to the other person. Well, why wouldn't they tell me? Do they not trust me? Do they not think I can help? Do they not want me to pray for them? Do you see how we get mixed up with that temptation? So I would say if you're going through something and you're experiencing pain and God has placed somebody in your life that you can trust, that you know is a believer, you know they're going to walk with you through it, do the scriptural thing and allow them to help you bear that burden. We need other people around us to help us walk through the things of this life that are really hard, especially those that God has placed close to us in our life. So you can be more Christ-like when you allow pain to help you see what's most important, to help you draw close to the Lord, to help you draw close to others, and then finally, to help you grow in gratitude and grace when you allow pain to help you grow in gratitude and grace. Let's read verses 19 through 20. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. You see how thankfulness is just a thread that runs all the way through this passage of Scripture. Remember what we said in the beginning, pain and thankfulness can go hand in hand. Even to the point to where you can not only just be thankful in the pain, but here's the crazy thing. Sometimes you can even be thankful for the pain. I, I want to be careful with that. But so, I have heard people say, I'm so thankful that I went through that in my life because on the other side of it, they saw God act in such a great way. And it's because they've grown. They've grown in grace. They've grown in gratitude. Verse 19, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is is my body. Have you ever thought about how that would have felt to Jesus? I mean, we see this and we read through this all the time. Every time we observe the Lord's Supper, this is a scripture that we read. But what was it like for Jesus to actually take that piece of bread, knowing that this represented his body, and breaking it? Giving it out. Knowing that this is going to be painful. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Do you hear the hope there? Do you hear the reality of what Jesus is going through? But the fact that he's saying, There's something new. 
And that's the hope that we have in Christ. Look, when we allow pain to help us see what matters most, draw us close to God and others, and grow us in grace, thankfulness will pour out of us. You can be thankful in your pain. And I'm not talking about a fake mask, pretend like everything is okay, thankful. I'm talking about a gratitude that feels and is real about where you are, but you also know that God is the one that is there with you, and He is the one that holds your heart. He is the one that holds your soul. He is the one that holds your mind. He is the one that holds your body in His hands, and because of that, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for being there. We can be thankful that the grace of God is greater than any pain. We can be thankful that we serve a Savior that took on all of our pain and all of our sin. We're thankful that the Lord knows pain and is present with us in our pain. We're thankful that we worship the one true God who will one day wipe away every tear and there will be what? No more pain. Aren't you thankful that that is the God that we serve? We can be thankful that right here and right now, Jesus, the King of kings, the Son of God, holds out his nail-scarred hands, and he says to us, come follow me. And he invites us to the table. Will you come? Will you follow him? Look, as we prepare to come to the table and observe the Lord's Supper, we're going to enter into a time of examination. Okay, And once again, let me encourage you, if you don't have the elements and you'd like to partake in the Lord's Supper, you can go ahead and get those in the back, okay? And as we enter into this time of examination, basically what that means is this is a time that even though you're in a crowd of people, this is a time for you to get alone with the Lord. Talk to God about where you are in your life, what you're experiencing, what you're going through, good or bad, bad, blessing or pain. Reflect on your relationship with the Lord. How close are you to Him right now? Reflect on your relationship with others. How close are you to those that God has brought into your life? Take time to thank the Lord for the grace that He has given us and provided through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. As the worship team leads, you take a moment and you pray. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to pray and then we'll take the elements together. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry. 
When I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. When I forgot that you're enough, take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you. Lord, as we come out of this time of examination, we come to you giving ourselves to you completely. We come to you remembering the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you that we can be forgiven of our sins and given new life in Christ. And as we take these elements in remembrance of him, draw us close to you and draw us close to each other. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25, Paul the Apostle instructs us in this way. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks for it, thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an, agreed confer, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. For the privilege and the honor that we have to come into worship to gather around the table as believers and to remember the sacrifice of Jesus we also celebrate the new life that we have in him and we pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior that right now would be a time where they respond and they call out to you and they ask you for the forgiveness of their sins. They commit to follow Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and that they will be saved. God, we thank you for how you build us up. Teach us and send us out so that your kingdom may grow.